Hello, friends. Welcome to an episode of the Tax Chick Podcast. I hope you're having a great weekend. It's been a while since I've popped on here. Um, It's been a busy month of May, but I wanted to come on and give a few quick updates and also talk a little bit about taxpayer relief applications. So first things first, exciting news. The CRA strike is over. It was over in the month of May. I've noticed some increased audit activity following the end of the strike. I've noticed increased collection activity. Just a reminder that if you were in the middle of an audit or if you were in the middle of communications with collections or with appeals when the strike happened and your particular CRA officer went on strike, they are now back. Make sure you reach out to them. Keep that communication going. Uh, It's so important. Um, It's not really on them to get back to you. If there were deadlines, you still have to meet them. So it's a good opportunity to do a bit of a touch base. And I've certainly been doing that with any of the CRA officers that I was communicating with on behalf of clients who happened to go out for the strike. Um, Not everyone was striking though. So you may not have noticed any interruption in your communication, but just a little reminder to do those check-ins. Another reminder about um, the podcast episode that I released in May. So on May 11th, I released a really awesome, I'm going to call it tax adjacent episode uh, with a friend of mine uh, and my special guest, Luann Schlosser of Lenova Law. And Luann is an intellectual property specialist. She's a registered trademark agent in the city. And she talked all about trademarks and copyrights. So if you're a business owner who is building your brand or has built your brand, this is a must listen for you. I certainly picked up a few tips when I was thinking about the tax chick brand and how I wanted to deal with that. Keep in mind that if you've spent all this energy and all this time and all this money on trying to create a brand and then somebody else goes and uses that brand and can actually stop you from using it because they've taken different steps than you had taken. I mean, that is just, that's just fatal for your business, right? You have to start all over again. So it is really important to protect your brand and take the right steps. She gives some great tips about that. She also talks a little bit about some things to look for when you're creating a website. And if you're entering into a contract with a website designer, some things you have to keep in mind in order to ensure that you're using images that have certain protections and that you've met all of the requirements. So I do encourage you to listen to that episode. It's it's a really interesting one and I really enjoyed having Luann on. Coming up in July, I'm doing my next guest episode with Michelle Scheller of MNP. We're actually going to record tomorrow morning and I'm I'm super excited about this one too. So Michelle's team and I have worked together um, over the years on numerous tax-driven bankruptcies. Michelle is a trustee in bankruptcy. I often have clients who end up in that scenario because they owe simply more than they can ever pay to CRA. And we have to go down the route of a bankruptcy. But when your bankruptcy is tax driven, and Michelle and I will talk about what gets you into that category, some different rules apply. And somewhere along the way, some rumors started floating around that, oh, you owe a bunch of money to CRA. No problem. Just go bankrupt. It'll all go away. That is not true. That is not true. So Michelle and I will talk a bit about some of the the specific things that apply to tax driven bankruptcies that wouldn't apply to other bankruptcies and uh, break down kind of what you need to know. Um, Michelle is awesome. I'm really excited to share this with you. It'll be coming up in July. 
Anyway, um, last thing before I get into the main topic of this episode, is anybody going to the STEP National Conference in Toronto this June? Um, It's the Society of Trust and Estate Practitioners. I'm super excited. It's their 25th anniversary. So there's a big gala. I'm also speaking on the topic of privacy issues for fiduciaries. So if you're a trustee of a trust, um, some things you need to keep in mind in terms of um, some of the new federal rules and provincial rules on privacy issues and collection of information, use of information, dissemination of information. Um, it's a, a bit of a rabbit hole, but an interesting topic. If you are going to be there, send me a message, um, check in with me. I'd love to meet you in person and I'll put some info about STEP um, in the show notes in case you're interested. It is a really awesome, awesome organization that I'm very proud to be a part of. And I was recently just um, elected in as the chair for STEP Saskatchewan. So I'll be doing um, some of the coordinating for our local events happening here in the province. And I have an awesome team and I'm really excited. Anyway enough rambling, on to today's topic. I thought I would talk a little bit about taxpayer relief applications. And I don't know why this always happens to me, but it seems like queries from clients always come in clumps. And lately, in the last couple of months, I have had so many questions about taxpayer relief applications. And I would say for, I don't know, previous years, I've, I've never really had that many questions about it. So it seems like this is becoming a bit more of a thing. And I thought I would chat about it. I also have a short video on this that I did post to my Instagram account, which is at tax.chick if you prefer to listen or learn that way. But I also thought I'd do a quick podcast episode. So what is taxpayer relief? Well, taxpayer relief used to be called taxpayer fairness. And a bunch of us kind of joke that it really wasn't that fair. So that's why they had to change the name. But um, now it's, it's called taxpayer relief. And it's a series of provisions that are found in the Income Tax Act and the Excise Tax Act that gives discretionary relief for certain things. One of those things is payment of interest and penalties. Um, There's also the ability to get um, refunds moved. There's the ability to get amendments to returns past the statute bar date. It's a very interesting section. But the key is that it is a discretionary relief. You have to ask for relief from the minister. Uh, It's not automatic. You have to plead your case and hope that you're convincing enough that they will want to help you. And it also does not get rid of the underlying tax it only gets rid of the interest and the penalties or you know, helps to reassess you, et cetera. It, it's not used to wipe out tax. There are different remedies for that, which I can talk about in future episodes. So if you've got a, a tax bill and you look at the tax bill and you know a large portion of that is interest and maybe some penalties, it's worthwhile looking at the categories of relief and seeing if maybe you might might fit under them. Taxpayer relief is a very easy application to do yourself um, or with your advisor. It does not necessarily require a tax lawyer to do it for you. Um, And so it's very cost effective in that way, which is why I like to talk about it as much as I can. I came up with kind of a a top six list. I know it should be like top five or top 10, but I thought of six things. So we're going to talk about six things today um, to keep in mind when you're doing a taxpayer relief application. So number one. You can only get relief for the past 10 years. So if you're looking to get relief from interest back to like 2004, 
not going to happen. There are different avenues of relief that you can try to apply for, such as like a remission order, but taxpayer relief is not going to get you that far back. The second thing to keep in mind is that there is a form that CRA has available on its website um, that is available for the application. It's form RC4288. I will link it in the show notes. You don't have to use it. It's not a prescribed form under the Act, but I strongly suggest that you do. And and why I suggest that is that it does lay out the specific information that CRA is looking for. Then they don't have to go digging through paragraphs of information to find the key details. So I will actually use that as my covering pages for my application and I will fill it out. It, It says what relief you're asking for. Is it interest? Is it penalties? Is it both? What years are you seeking the relief for? What is the basis? So what category are you applying under? It gives the key information on who the taxpayer is, how the taxpayer can be contacted, what their identification number is. So if it's a social insurance number for an individual or a partnership number for a partnership or a business number for a business or, you know, a trust number for an estate. All of those basic pieces of information are laid out in this form. And then I will often just put a note in the section that talks about reasons and say, please see attached. And that's where I give my additional submissions. I find it's helpful for me when I eventually get the call from the CRA officer to have this nice little clean two-pager that has the basic information in it. Um, And it's helpful for the CRA officer. Everyone gets on the same page very quickly. The third thing to keep in mind is that you can't just like apply for relief and hope you're going to get it. You have to fit under one of the categories. And one the categories are CRA error or CRA delay. So I'm doing one actually uh, right now where we had um, a, a notice of appeal that got bumped around to five or six different appeals officers. It was taking years to get an answer. It went off to headquarters. We couldn't get an answer there. And in the meantime, interest just continued to accrue. And we weren't really given any relief at the end of the day from the appeals officers. And so we're asking for that because we're like, there's significant delay that was completely out of the control of the taxpayer. And so for my supporting reasons, I'm I'm actually providing copies of all of the correspondence. And I'm creating a bit of a timeline within my submission to show the delay periods to make it very clear for CRA. CRA error is if you get incorrect advice from a CRA officer. Um, This is a harder one to prove because if you don't have it in writing, it's very hard to prove that that's what they actually told you. Um, However, there are ways to get um, recordings of the conversations that you're having with the CRA officer. Um, There are ways to get the notes that they have um, written under under certain requests um, for access. So it is sometimes possible, but you actually need some proof. The next one is an inability to pay or financial hardship. And people often think, oh, this is an easy one. I'm going to apply under this. Keep in mind, this is a very, very high bar. Uh, Essentially, you you can't be able to even pay for the necessities of life. If you're in that category, um, then you fit. Um, There's significant financial disclosure that's required. It's very hard to fit under this category. Um, There's also a category called natural disaster. So we saw this years ago when Calgary had all the flooding and people lost their books and records and it took them a while to get things back together again. That's a great example of a natural disaster that impacted your ability to do your filings properly. And we saw relief given for that. 
Then there's a category on like death or accident, serious illness, emotional or mental distress. If you've been dealing with an illness, uh, you know, a cancer diagnosis, um, or you're caregiving for someone who has a serious illness, or there's been multiple deaths in your family, if you can document some of that to show why there's been a bit of a history of non-filing or late filing, um, that's the information you'd want to provide there. Um, there's also a category on like civil disturbance or disruption in services. So, I mean, if we were in the midst of, you know, some sort of a, a war or like major strike action that was preventing us from doing something, that would be an example. There's, of course, always a category that says other. So if you have other reasons, you can always throw them in there, but you really need to fit under one or more of the categories. Don't limit yourself to one category. If you fit under like two categories, check off both of them and provide the support for both of them. Um, I think it's it's good to throw everything to the wall and see what sticks. Um, fourth point is that you can file this electronically through your My Account or your My Business Account. Make sure you keep a copy of exactly what you filed. Keep a copy of the confirmation of filing. Usually you'll hear back in a couple of months to confirm your filing with the name of an officer and you'll have a bit of back and forth about extra things that you might need to provide. But it really helps to sort of have that confirmation in that initial submission. Fifth thing to keep in mind is that if you're unsuccessful in round one, there is a possibility of getting second level relief. So you will get a final letter that says yes or no and says the reasons why. And when you receive that letter, you have an ability to request a second level relief, which will go to a different CRA officer. Um, again, you're going to want to fill out the, the beginning forms. You're going to want to attach your original submissions. And then I always try to respond specifically to whatever is in that final letter from CRA. So either if they didn't give enough reasons, I will raise that as a concern. Or if they gave reasons and misinterpreted something or were looking for different documentation, this is the perfect opportunity to address that. The last thing, the number six to keep in mind, is when you're requesting relief like this, you need to come to CRA with clean hands. If you're behind your tax filings, if you're you know chronically late in paying your your taxes, you're on their system that way, and they will not give you relief. This is discretionary, so you really want to come to them, um, being completely up to date and otherwise on your knees asking for this discretionary relief. So important to important to keep in mind. Those are my initial thoughts on taxpayer relief. I'll pop some stuff in the show notes about it. I hope that helps a little bit um, to get you thinking if you've got either clients who might fall into these categories or if you're a taxpayer and you're thinking, hmm, this might work for me. This is something that you can do yourself um, fairly easily. That is all for this episode. I... I hope you have a wonderful week ahead. Stay tuned for more mini episodes and for the guest episode happening in July on tax-driven bankruptcies. In the meantime, don't forget to check out my new website, um, www.thetaxchick.ca. I do have a ton of blog posts and free resources available there through my free learning center. You just have to create a member account. It costs nothing. I promise I won't spam you. Um, there's over 65 blog posts and tons of resources. So please do check it out. And as always, if you have ideas for future podcast episodes or blog posts, please reach out to me at thetaxchickpodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to give me a follow on Instagram at, uh, the at tax.chick. <laughs> Thanks so much. I will talk to you soon. 
Please note that the views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast episode belong solely to the speaker and are not necessarily the views of the speaker's employer, organization, committee, or other group or individual. In addition, the information provided and discussed in this podcast is not legal advice. I encourage you to consult with your legal advisor for specific advice.